Turn to your Bibles now, please, and we'll read from Colossians chapter 1. We have two readings from Colossians in our service today. We'll read from chapter 1 now and from chapter 4 later in our service. Colossians 1, page 1183, if you have a church Bible. And we'll read verses 1 to 14 together now. This is God's word. The book of Colossians, like many of the books in this part of the New Testament, is a letter. It's written by Paul, which we're told in the first verse. And it's written to Christians, saints and faithful brothers, verse 2, who are in this place called Colossae. So let's read verses 1 to 14 now. This is God's word. Paul An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth. The gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing. As it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras. Our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins Amen Turn back to your Bibles now please and we'll come back to the book of Colossians again this time the last chapter We've read a little bit of the first chapter. Let's turn now to Colossians chapter 4, page 1186 of the Church Bibles. Colossians chapter 4, and we'll read now verse 7 to verse 18. This seems like a good passage to read as we come towards the end of our conference weekend, because one of the lovely things that Paul often does at the end of his letters, is that he mentions a lot of the little people. 
And those who names here, you'll spot at least one name we've already studied and thought about this weekend. But other names here we haven't studied, we haven't had the chance to study yet. Um, some of them we do know more about in the Bible. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and others mentioned here. Luke is mentioned, and some of them we know very little about. But here we have Paul again recording for us in the word of God, which we still have in front of us today, the efforts of those who are serving their king and their master. So we'll read now verses 7 to 18 of Colossians chapter 4. This is God's word. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you. A servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Look. The beloved physician greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting With my own hand, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Please open your Bibles again at the passage that we just read from Colossians chapter 4, page 1186. And we'll be focusing this morning on verses 12 to 13. So, It'll be a good thing, if you're able to do so, to have God's word open in front of you. This weekend has been your church weekend here in Clock Mills. And the theme for the weekend has been ordinary heroes. Normal people whose lives have been transformed and used by Jesus. People who are not the big guns of the Bible. Abraham or Moses, Peter or Paul. But still, and this is important, people who are important enough to be recorded permanently in God's book. Already this weekend we have looked at two men who are mentioned very briefly in the New Testament. Tychicus, we called him the pastor's postman. A man who was significant 
for his ordinary faithfulness in small things. We looked at Onisi for us, the breath of fresh air. A man who's noted for us as having refreshed and revived Paul. Now I should say that I have preached a longer series on on this theme in North Edinburgh. And women were included in the series. It just so happens that the four themes that I picked for this weekend are illustrated by men in the New Testament. But it's the, the series... I can have great benefit by looking at many of the the people mentioned in our New Testament. And there are men and women who are listed there in their serving and honouring of King Jesus. Why did I pick this theme for your weekend? Ordinary heroes. Do I think that you're a very ordinary bunch of people in clock mills? No. And yes. No. I can truly say it is not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the Clock Mills congregation. That is from the heart. But, and maybe now you can see why I left this till the end of the weekend to say it rather than at the start of the weekend. You are an ordinary bunch of people. You have an ordinary pastor. As does my congregation. We are not big name conference speakers or authors. I don't think many of us in this room today, maybe any of us, will have best-selling Christian biographies written about us or movies made. There is much, of course, that we can learn from the Pauls and Davids in our Bibles. But we're much more like Tychicus and Onesiphorus. So this morning's ordinary hero is Epaphras. Verses 12 and 13 of Colossians 4. Epaphras was the founder of this new church in Colossae. In this case, this was a church that Paul hadn't planted. In fact, Paul had at this point never preached there. He hadn't yet taught these new Christians. This man that we're coming to today, Epaphras, he's the one who has done all of that. Chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, we read them earlier. Uh, Record for us there. Paul is talking about the good news, the gospel, and he says to this Colossian church, you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. But something else stands out in that first reference to Epaphras. Flick back over to chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. There's something unusual there, something out of the ordinary. It's not unusual for Paul to begin his letter like this, with the name of the writer and who it's sent to, and a greeting like grace to you and peace, and then to kind of plunge into a big long section of thanksgiving and prayer for the the people receiving the letter. That's quite normal for Paul. In fact, when we come to the book of Galatians, one of the things that stands out is that that letter doesn't have that kind of a section in the opening half of the chapter, the first chapter. But this letter that we're in today, Colossians, is the only letter of Paul to the churches where someone is named right 
in the middle of that big flow of praise and thankfulness. And so there's certainly something about Epaphras that is significant and that is worth us taking a bit of time to study today. Like others in our series so far this weekend, we're not told a lot about him. But what we are told is worth noticing and it speaks to each of us. So flick back over to chapter 4, verse 12, as we'll see in more detail in a few moments, speaks of him struggling or wrestling. So our title today is God's Wrestler. We'll notice three things about Epaphras, God's Wrestler. First of all, his relationship with Jesus. His relationship with Jesus We're thinking today about Epaphras, God's wrestler. Look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Some Bibles say he is always wrestling in prayer for you. And we'll see when we come to our second point, that that is a good translation. That's a good picture to have in our heads that he is wrestling. Now, I don't want to push the wrestling theme too far today, but many modern-day wrestlers have their own wrestling identity. You might have watched films with an actor in it called Dwayne Johnson. When he wrestles, he's known or he likes to be known as The Rock These wrestlers have a a persona, a character, a role that they play because really they're all actors. In countries like Mexico, someone's wrestling identity is so important that they'll wear a mask. And for some of them it's very serious. They don't want to, to be seen without their mask even outside the ring and they'll go to great lengths to hide their true identity. Well, we're going to think today of God's wrestler and we want to begin by asking, what is his identity? Obviously, his name is Epaphras, but we want to go deeper than that today. Epaphras is mentioned only three times in the Bible. And every single time, it's in the context of his relationship to Jesus. He's only mentioned three times, and each time it tells us something about his walk with, his relationship with Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, a servant of Christ Jesus. You can flick back to chapter 1, verse 7. Epaphras, a faithful minister of Christ. And the third reference is Philemon 1, verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner... In Christ Jesus. So faithful minister of Christ, servant of Christ, and fellow prisoner in Christ. And again, like we said a few times this weekend, it would be easy to skip on past those things. We might say, well, that's just the way Paul talks about people. We get quite used to Paul describing people in this way as we read through his letters. But think about it. This man is only mentioned three times in the whole Bible. 
And all three times something is said about him in connection with Jesus. When Paul thought of Epaphras, what stood out for him above everything else, what would be obvious to anyone who knew him, was his relationship to Jesus. And that is true for all of us. What matters most for any of us is not our name. It's not what we do or how we look. Or maybe a bit like wrestlers, the kind of identity that we put on or that we like to put out there. (laughs) What matters is how we relate to Jesus. And that's a great comfort if you are a Christian. Who we are is not what has happened to us in our lives or what has been done to us. Who we are is not what other people think of us or decide about us. Who we are is what Jesus has done for us. What matters is not what the rest of the world sees or thinks of us. But is our relationship with God right through Jesus? If you're not a Christian today, what matters for you is not how you look or what you've been through, but that your relationship with God is right through Jesus. That your sin is forgiven because you believe that Jesus was punished on the cross instead of you. That when God looks at you, He sees the goodness of Jesus, the holiness, the perfection of Jesus because you are trusting in him and God looks at you in him. What matters for any of us in this life and after this, whether someone's a president or a beggar, is our relationship with Jesus. This is what keeps Epaphras going. We read of him here. He's a wrestler. He's a struggler. He's battling in prayer. Verse 13 speaks of his hard work for the churches. How does he keep going in the struggle, in the hard work? Verse 12 says, He's a servant of Christ Jesus. His motivation is not just that he's a nice guy and he wants to do good things or he wants to help Christians. His motivation is his commitment to serving Jesus. And like I've mentioned in some of our Psalms already in our service, the word that's used here for Epaphras in verse 12 is telling us literally that he's a slave. He's slaving for Jesus. And all the work that he's doing in the church and for the church in Colossae. He's slaving for Jesus. Laboring, toiling, struggling for him. And that's helpful for us as well. All Christians are involved in ministry. It doesn't have to be 
Bible teaching or what we tend to often think of or mean when we speak of ministry. Ministry, that word simply means serving. And so it's ministry of of some kind when you're a Christian parent, Christian husband or wife, a Christian friend or neighbor or employee or church member. That's all serving. Our lives are full of opportunities to serve Jesus as we serve others. (coughs) And in our serving... It's a a liberating thing, a freeing thing to think of ourselves as slaves of Jesus. That seems like a contradiction. How is it freeing for me to think of myself as a slave? But it's not a contradiction. It is freeing, liberating to remember that we are slaves of Jesus. He has set us free to serve like Jesus served. And so suddenly... Recognition from other people doesn't matter so much anymore. Praise, appreciation isn't such a big deal. We can say, like the servants in one of the stories that Jesus told, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. When we remember that it's Jesus we're serving and whatever we do, then we can do it willingly, joyfully, gladly, lovingly for him. Slavery sounds humiliating, but slavery to Jesus is freedom and joy. And the only way that we can keep on serving day after day, week after week, month after month, is remembering that in serving others, we are serving him. So that's our first point about Epaphras, his relationship to Jesus. Our second point is his wrestling in prayer. His wrestling in prayer. A crucial part of the ministry, the serving of Epaphras is praying. Look again at verse 12, please. Epaphras, who is one of you, we'll come back to those words, a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Some Bibles say always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. Others say he is always wrestling in prayer for you. And wrestling is a good picture to have in our minds today. Maybe, maybe we should have had a picture of a wrestler up on the screen, although maybe that's not that helpful an idea. But try and think of wrestling and have that picture in your mind because... That seems to be the picture Paul wants us to have. He uses a word here in his language of his day that was used in sporting language. Used in his day for the public games that took place. That kind of contest, competing for a prize. So it's a sporting word. It's also a word that was simply used to mean a fight. Any kind of a fight, a physical fight, a non-physical fight, a fight with weapons or without weapons, combat, fierce 
close encounter with the opposition. And so it's starting to bring in even more ideas to our mind. Like we read earlier in the weekend from Ephesians 6, the spiritual battle with the the forces of evil and the need for prayer tied in with all of that. So wrestling is a good word for us to have in mind today because it, it contains the idea of the sporting contest but also the struggle, the straining, the grappling, the battling. Epaphras shows us wrestling in prayer. A similar word is used of Jesus in our Bibles. As he prayed in the garden just before he was betrayed and arrested the night before he died, Luke twenty-two forty-four says, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So that word for Jesus, agony, the word that Paul now uses for wrestling, for the wrestling done by Epaphras, and actually our English word today, agony, they're all very closely connected. Epaphras is literally agonizing in prayer. For the Christians in his church. He doesn't settle himself for just a, a God bless this person and God bless that person as he prays for them, but it's a systematic, consistent, specific, earnest pleading with God, wrestling in prayer on their behalf. Could you be a wrestler? A wrestler. Like Epaphras, laboring, struggling, straining, striving in prayer for your fellow Christians in the battle. What a ministry you could have in your church doing this. And some of you already are. Possibly no one else would ever know about it. And yet what a way to serve your church You might never be a minister or an elder or a deacon. Or perhaps God's timing and plan in your life is that those avenues of service are in the past. But what about this? What a blessing. (laughs) If it could be said about some in this church, many in this church, this person greets you always struggling on your behalf in their prayers so that you may stand mature And fully assured in all the will of God. So let's be challenged by Epaphras wrestling in prayer. This is fighting talk. A good kind of fighting. We want this church to be a church full of fighting. This kind of fighting. Waging spiritual warfare with the powerful weapons that God Has given to us. But notice as well. Some of the words there in verse 12. Important words at the start. Epaphras. Who is one of you. We should come to this verse and ask. Why does Paul feel the need to write those words? Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae. They know Epaphras. And they know that he is one of them. 
Why does Paul say this? Well, it must fit in with everything else we're saying and seeing about Epaphras. It must be that what comes to Paul's mind when he thinks of Epaphras is Epaphras praying for his fellow church members. And as he prays, it's obvious that he belongs to them, that he is one of them. And that's not because of the language that he spoke or the accent that he had, but because as he poured out his heart in prayer, there was an intensity, a going to war on behalf of those that he loved, a determination to defend them in the spiritual attacks that they faced. So much so you could hear it in his praying. It's a beautiful phrase. Epaphras, who is one of you. This man prays so passionately for his fellow church members that everyone listening knows how much he cares about them. Actually, it's if you bring in the imagery of the wrestle, the grapple, the strain, the conflict, it's, it's almost as if he's in a sweat by the end of it as he prays for them. Wrestling in prayer. And then our final point this morning is his vision for the church. His vision for the church. Look what else is mentioned about Epaphras, verse 13. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. So not only is he a hard worker, and what an asset, what a blessing that is to the church to have someone who works hard and prays harder. But he's also focused on more than just his own wee patch. Verse 13 says, He has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Those were nearby cities. Although I say nearby, they were both about half a day's journey from Epaphras. And clearly, this faithful minister, this servant of Christ Jesus, is working hard in all three places. Sharing his time and his teaching and his support and his prayer among all of them. You may know of of the situation in some RP churches where there are interim elders or oversight elders, men who are initially elders in one place, but they have responsibilities in other places as well. In North Edinburgh, we don't have elders of our own yet. That's something we ask people to pray for us. But we have great elders from Airdrie, two men, Sam and George, who along with me form the North Edinburgh Session George, actually until fairly recently, was an elder in three places. His home congregation in Airdrie, us in North Edinburgh, and also in Stranraer, which I'm sure for him at times felt like half a day's journey. Uh, He could understand maybe Epaphras here. So think of that kind of a man serving in different places. Think of a man being an elder in Clock Mills, and then two other places half a day away. Cork and Kilkenny or wherever you want to think of. Epaphras here is focused on more than just his own wee patch. 
Epaphras has a vision for the wider church. Now, I know that you already do this in clock mills. I have sat in your prayer meetings with you and heard your prayers for Nantes and for other places. I've received your texts and your emails and your comments when you chat with me. And I can tell from those that you pray for us in North Edinburgh. Thank you for that. And keep on in that. Persevere. Press on. Because I don't want things that I'm saying this weekend to kind of go against each other, contradict each other. I want them to be held in balance. We thought on Friday night about Tychicus. Faithful Tychicus. Solid, reliable, committed. And God's word on Friday night was calling on each of us to be that person in our own churches. But there is a slight danger that if we do that right... That if we're throwing ourselves fully into it, that if we're very busy, we're very involved, we're very aware of the needs in our own church and our own community, that we become focused only on ourselves. And we lose this sense of what Epaphras has, the wider church out there. And we become like the horse with blinkers. Now, there are times when blinkers can be a good thing for a horse. Keeps the horse focused, especially if it has work to do or a course to run. And it doesn't see everything that's all around it and get distracted or get startled. But that can be dangerous and unhealthy if that's what we can be like in church life or in our Christian lives. Even with good things. Even with our own congregation, even with our own families or the work that we are doing for Jesus. But we get too focused and we forget everything else that's going on out there. So for you and for me, let's let Epaphras today spur us on in our vision for the church. Both our own wider denomination, but also the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. And it's for reasons like this that next Sunday, in every Reformed Presbyterian denomination and congregation across the world, there will be a day of prayer for exactly the same subject. We'll be praying for men for the ministry. Each congregation, every place, every time zone. What an exciting thing actually that is. To stand alongside, to wrestle together with our brothers and sisters all over the world. For that very important matter of prayer. This is why you have all these announcements at the start of the service. That events are announced in local congregations. And especially within your own presbytery here. This is why... You promote the camps and the conferences of the church and the church magazines and all the different prayer letters that come in from far and wide. We might be tempted to think, why bother? This is why. The vision for the wider church and the important role of those of us who aren't the big names, the giants of the faith, the Pauls and the Peters, the important role of the, the ones like Epaphras in that bigger, broader vision and prayer for the wider church. So we need balance. 
We thought of Tychicus. Faithfulness. Wholehearted involvement and prayer 100% here where God has put you. That's an absolute priority. But also, at the same time, never forgetting the wider work that's going on in the name of King Jesus. There's plenty of work here to be done in clock mills. And God has put you here and wants and expects your 100% commitment here. But never lose that sense of what's going on outside of your small corner here. Epaphras has a vision for the wider church. And so I want to, to send us all away this morning to be wrestlers. Not in any way like the kind of picture of a wrestler we might have put up on the screen. That's not what we're being called to be here. But wrestlers like Epaphras. God's wrestler. A man who wrestled in prayer for his brothers and sisters. A man whose vision and heart for Jesus Christ extended beyond his own congregation. And I'm sure he could have said his hands were very full in his own congregation. A man whose relationship with Jesus was his identity. Amen.